Let's begin today. You can turn over to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 7 verse 28. And uh, we're in a series called The Great Sermon. The Great Sermon. And uh, I've kind of been joking about this each week. Uh, We're not talking about my great sermon. We're talking about Jesus' great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, hopefully mine's great too, but, but y'all, can be, y'all can judge that after we're done, amen. Don't judge it here, judge it by the Holy Ghost though, okay, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. And uh, hopefully I, I listen to the Lord, because if I listen, it will be great, amen. So anyway, we're talking about the great sermon. I was reading through uh, the Sermon on the Mount a few months ago. And I was reading through chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 and seeing the whole Sermon on the Mount. And I went, my goodness, we need some teaching and preaching on this. And uh, the Lord said, yes, you do. I was like, amen. (laughs) So then all of a sudden now we got a series on the great sermon. And uh, we're looking at, I was pointing, I spoke to the retirement homes on Friday. I do that about once a month. And uh, I actually went to these scriptures that we're looking at. And uh, Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Let's look at these. It says this. When Jesus had finished these words, talking about when he had finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. You understand that these words aren't just in here. uh, That something happened. Something transpired in this. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. And it says, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, I don't know about you, but have you, have you ever read the Sermon on the Mount? And if you got finished reading it, uh, were you amazed like it's talking about? I, I can't say that I was in that way because the words themselves, they were good. They're awesome. Jesus spoke them. You know they were right. They were godly words. But it didn't take me by just reading the words to the place of amazement, right? So you got to understand that there's something else going on here besides just the words. I mean, if I just read through that and I read the words that Jesus spoke, uh, you would probably sit here the way you're looking at me now, kind of like, mm-hmm, that's real nice, preacher, right? But so how, what is it that caused the crowds to be amazed? What is it that caused that? He says because he had some authority. And what we get at and we find out in the Council of the Word is that when the Word is preached, if you go over into Romans 10, you see that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word preached, right? Faith, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word preached. Uh, I heard the Lord ask me this question a while back is faith natural and logical is it physical and logical or is faith spiritual it's spiritual and the word tells us that the things of God are not mentally discerned they're spiritually discerned right in other words uh, the things of God are in the spirit now they can be wrapped in the flesh in logical words so the other day I was at the retirement homes and the Lord just dropped this in my heart and I was like, praise God, I never thought about it before. But imagine, I just have an envelope here. Imagine this envelope, see it can carry something but it doesn't necessarily mean that it does carry something. 
But imagine here that this envelope represents a message, a sermon. I can speak words, and that sermon will go out. And then, if that sermon goes out, it can be received by somebody, right? But just because I speak words doesn't mean that it's carrying something, right? Now, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, right? Then one of the things that we realize is that that faith is a spiritual something, right? It's a spiritual something. So in other words, when, when you get faith, you're receiving something spiritual, right? Not logical, not physical, something spiritual, But what was the context of Romans chapter 10? The context is faith comes by hearing and hearing by, if you look at the passage, hearing by the word preached. So in the preaching of the word, you can pass words on, but in those words can be something spiritual. So if you can imagine, this is the message and the words, but then this is the something spiritual, then all of a sudden what happens is somebody who knows what they're doing, when they move in authority and belief in what they have, they'll take the spiritual thing, package it in the message, and then when they send that package, now that person has received something. They've received not only the logic of a message, but inside that message is a power, is a faith. It's something spiritual, right? All right. Now, here's the thing. I want, I want to see, show you something. Uh, uh, come here, Mr. Kendall, please. <laughs> All right, so watch this. Now, if I have something, I want you to notice something. We'll, we'll take this out for just a second. I want you to notice something. Now, I can pass something on to Mr. Kendall, and I can give it to him. I can present it. I can pay for it. I can have it at the ready, right? I can have it for him at the ready. I can have it for him at the ready. I can have it for... Oh, oh. Now, even though I had it at the ready all that time, when did he get it? When by faith he said, oh, that's for me, and he reached out and grabbed a hold of it, and when he grabbed a hold of it, he made it his. Now I want you to see something. I want you to be the preacher, all right? Now, or I'll do it for the first part because this is negative. I'll, I'll let you do it when it's good, amen? So understand that the scribes here, they were preaching something, They were preaching something, but just because they were preaching something doesn't mean that there was something spiritual inside of it. They they were preaching messages. They were preaching words. Well, the Bible goes on to talk about this later on. It says that men will draw to them uh, preachers who will, you know, basically tickle their ears, right? In other words, it sounds good. Oh, oh, it is well-designed message. It is well and it's good and somebody's like yeah that makes me feel good but is there anything in the package not necessarily it can be Bible it can be Bible but that doesn't mean that it's carrying something 
It can be really good, well-designed sermon, well-designed teaching. It can be an exhortation, but that doesn't mean it's carrying the spiritual things of God, the power of God. It doesn't mean that it's carrying the faith of God. And so what you listen to becomes very important. And here were these people that had been listening to the scribes and Pharisees, but when Jesus came on the scene and preached this message, it wasn't just the words. And even Paul later on goes, I don't come to you in convincing words of man's wisdom, but I come in demonstration and power. I come with something packaged inside of it, and we will see the reality of it. So you can have, here's the thing, do we need not only the package, the message, but do we also need the spiritual inside of it? Well, that's the supernatural things of God, right? We need something to be on the inside of it. So the first step in having something is you need to be listening to preachers that are not just giving you a message, but they're giving something spiritual and supernatural inside of it. Matter of fact, your faith depends on it. You either walk in more faith or less faith based on who you're listening to. Because that's what this is talking about. And if you have a minister that knows what they're doing in the spiritual world and they understand how this thing works and they believe what they're preaching, they have, they'll have an authority on it, they'll carry the power of God. But in order for you to receive it, you must have a preacher that preaches the message with something in it. Because if you don't have a preacher that does that, then you're just going to have words and they may sound good. They'll make your flesh feel good. You'll check the box. Hey, I went to church on Sunday. But your life is going to constantly struggle because you're not receiving the spiritual package that God wants you to have that he makes clear the kingdom is not just in words but in power. Right? Now the other side of that, let's, let's say now you're a good preacher that has both a message and the spiritual, Right? The other side of that is I have an ability to take those things correctly and receive them myself as the hearer. So in other words, let's say that I've found myself a preacher and he knows what he's doing and inside of he's preaching a message and inside of that is the power of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he's bringing a package and it's not just wrapped. It's not just a pretty wrapping. There's something on the inside. I mean, can you imagine Christmas? You got like this huge, uh, imagine being five and you've got like sitting for a month is this present that's like four foot cubed, right? And this big old bow on on the outside of it. Can you imagine being five years old and that thing's got your name on it? One month worth of just, you know, torment to that mint, that child's mind. What's in the package? You know, that's where the kid would be because kids are so excited, right? What if that kid gets to Christmas and he rips open the package and there's nothing in there? All of a sudden, wouldn't that be horrible? Do you understand that a good message without the power of God is just like that? Do you feel it? (laughs) All right. Let, we found a preacher that knows how to do it. He's got not only the message, but he's got something on the inside too. But then I can walk in and he can, he can give me the message, right? But I can say, I can be doing this. Man, I'm sitting in church. 
I got up this morning. Man, there's a message being preached with the package. It's full. It's got the power of God, the faith of God, everything. I mean, it's loaded, right? I mean, it's strong. It's strong. He's preaching. He's preaching. Power of God's flowing. Amen. But I can be sitting here going, oh, what am I going to do tomorrow at work? What am I going to be doing? Uh, what has to be handled? Oh, man, that bill collector's calling again. Uh, what's going to happen when I go to the doctor? And all of a sudden, what I'm doing, it doesn't matter how good that package is, I'm not even receiving the message because I'm not in expectation on the message. I'm in expectation of what's going to come up that week. I, I'm not esteeming what's going on. I'm not esteeming the package. Right? So just because we're here doesn't mean you're here. The word says it about Israelites, hearing they did not hear. Right? Hearing they did not hear. All right? But then let's say the same preacher, he's preaching the message. It's not just a message, but it's full. It's got the power of God in it. And let's say I'm sitting there and I'm actually esteeming the message. Right? And so I receive the message and I hear the good words. Amen? I hear the good words. I'm listening to it. I'm amening. I'm glory to God in it. You know, hallelujah, right? I'm, I'm, I'm there. But then, here's the thing. Let's say that it's talking about, you know, there's, there's fun, something funny about the spiritual things of God. It, they always draw us to repentance and change. Spiritual always comes with a power to move us from where we were to higher places in God. But you only get to higher places when we accept the spiritual things of God. So what we can do is, that, you know, this can be like, uh, all right, let's say it's a message on forgiveness. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know the Bible says about forgiveness, but I don't want to forgive that person because they talk bad to me. And I know they're going to be the same way tomorrow on Monday morning. And, and what we essentially do is we take the spiritual out. We accept the, this and we amen it. Glory to God. Yes, preach, preacher. Right. And then all of a sudden we receive this part, but we take the change and the power and we set it to the side. So my point is this, in order to receive the things that we need to live a victorious and overcoming life, number one, we've got to have a preacher that carries the power, not just a message. And we've got, we we have a responsibility as the hearers to receive not only the message, but also the package that's on the inside. And just as much as we can have a preacher that doesn't carry either one, we cannot receive either one as hearers. And it's important for us to understand that. Thank you, sir. So what was going on here with Jesus is he got up there. Have you ever noticed that some people talk a good talk, but they don't really believe what they talk? Have you ever seen that before? It's like somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But then, you know... Two days later at their job, blankety, blank, 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 blankety, blank, 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 right? Oh, yeah, and I, you know, I'm a Christian, but I still do this a little. I mean, there's even t-shirts out that I'm a Christian, but I still cuss a little bit. Anybody seen those t-shirts? Yeah. Yeah, No, they don't. That doesn't go together. Either you are one or you aren't. 
And if you are one, then you will have change going on to produce the fruit. Now, I get it. We're at different levels in our walk. But we've got to understand that this thing is designed to change us and make us look more like God. More like Jesus, not more like the world. This is the reality. It's not okaying us. Oh, he loves me so much. No, 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 no. Grace is given, it tells us over in Peter, to deny all ungodliness. In other words, we draw on the power of God to say no to the things of corruption, no to the things of the world. Right? So this is what happens. But have you ever noticed that even preach... I've heard preachers talk about faith and they believe God and they trust God. I've heard them even preach on healing. But when it came down to it, they they didn't even seek God, it seemed like, on their healing. They just went straight to the world's way to fix everything. Well, either you believe it or you don't. Well, here's the thing. Don't you think that a preacher that would sit up and they would preach healing but they don't actually believe it, are they filling that sermon with the power of God? No, there's a difference. But one who will sit up and say, I believe these things, I believe in the love of God, I believe in healing, I believe in Him prospering His people and pouring out good things, all of a sudden you're filling that package with something. So what they saw in Jesus was, this man believes and he knows something. He believes. And they were sitting back. It wasn't just the words it was he, there was something with the words. Something's different about this guy. He carries an authority. And so some of them received him as that, and some of them didn't over time. You know, here's the thing about the authority of God the word tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians 2, around 15 and 16, it says, that when you start to carry the things of God, it produces in a spiritual sense. An aroma. When you start to walk in the things of God, it produces an aroma. And it talks about that aroma. It says to some people, that aroma smells like life. Why? Because they're going to become the ones who receive it. But the ones who are not going to receive it, they don't, it doesn't smell like life to them. The Bible says it smells like death. And that's the way a lot of times the spiritual things of God appear to our flesh. I don't like that. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means your flesh don't like it. Well, that's kind of like the whole point. Because (laughs) the flesh and the spirit, they war. That's the whole point. You know, we've talked about this verse before. but Put it up, please. Hebrews 12, 11. It says, all discipline for the moment. All. All means all. All discipline for the moment seems sorrowful and even not joyful. Seems to not be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now, you're talking about discipline to our flesh. Our flesh is going to say, "Mm, I don't like that. I don't like that. But our spirit will say, yeah, this is who we need to be. So we've got to learn. You remember where the word says that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul and spirit. And just from a simplicity sake, the soul is the mind 
And the spirit, of course, is the real you, the real person. Those things are so tightly interwoven to work together by God's creation. And we have come from a society that's so corrupted. One of the things that's happened is we've got kind of the thinking of God in our spirit once we're born again. But still we've got so much thinking in, in the world. And those things are so tightly interwoven that sometimes we can get to the place where we hear the things of God. And we actually think it's the devil. Think about Peter who'd spent all that time with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, don't go up to Jerusalem. And then what did Jesus tell him? Get behind me, devil. Peter spent time with him. He thought what he was telling Jesus was God. Because these things are so tightly interwoven. But the only thing that helps us really uh, determine which is which is the Word of God. And it starts to separate and show us the difference between the two. And then we can see what is actually God and what isn't. And as we walk in God's ways, those things will be evident. My point is this, that Jesus came along and He didn't just come with a message. He came with something. He came with substance. Some people took that substance and to them it was an aroma of life and they followed them everywhere. In the end, uh, Jesus said some things. He packed some stuff with substance and most of his disciples left. And then he turned to the other disciples and said, you want to go too? Right? And then the disciples had a really good response. They said, where will we go? You have the words of life. Right? They understood. You've got, you're carrying something. And it's bigger than our reputation. It's bigger than our comfort zone. It's bigger than that. And all, so all of a sudden they realize that. But then there was a whole other crowd that said, Oh, you've been jumping on my flesh too much. Let's kill him. Crucify him. To the point, they believed so much the ungodly stuff, they were willing to do this thing. They, they got up and they said, His sin, our sins be on us and our children. They cursed their own children as they killed Jesus, thinking they were doing God's work because they had missed, they didn't humble themselves. Well, that goes right in with our message today. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. In the great, in the great sermon, one of the things that we've looked at is uh, Jesus comes on the scene. He starts preaching. If you turn to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus starts preaching and he goes, he starts in verse 3. And from verse 3 to verse 11, it says this. Jesus made a statement. <laughs> Here's the great sermon. Jesus steps up there and what does he say? Basically, blessed, 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 blessed. From verse 3 to verse 11, the blessings of God. I'm going to start out this whole service by saying, God wants you blessed. That's what Jesus said. God wants you blessed. Haven't you heard preachers before telling you how, how mad God is with this world and with society and everything else? Have anybody heard that besides me? Well, somebody needs to tell God that because he just told Jesus was only speaking what he saw, what he heard the Father say. But not only that, when Jesus came into the world, what did he tell those angels in Luke 2 to say? He said, fear not. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men with whom I'm pleased. I bring you great tidings of great joy with men with whom I'm pleased. 
with men with whom I'm pleased. Now, men were doing all kinds of bad stuff, but when Jesus came, it changed the whole atmosphere. And he's like, look, I'm trying to get blessings to you. And you see Jesus making a statement right here. Bless, 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 bless. Now we talked about, I'm going to highly, highly recommend that you go back and watch the first few of the great sermon. Because there's some key elements. You will not get everything you need to get out of this series if you don't watch the first one. And there's things we've already covered like uh, verse 3 and verse 4. We've already covered in there that you need to see. It will change your life. Also, uh, on, your, on your handout, you'll notice right up here it says you can look at the notes, bclife.org slash notes. If you have a phone or a tablet or whatever, you can pull up the full notes because we couldn't fit everything on this. You're welcome to pull those up for your use, and uh, I do recommend that. You'll see, though, he says this. In verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor in spirit is probably not what you think it is unless you were here last week and heard the message. Then if you heard it and you actually thought about it, then you might think and actually what it actually is. But if you weren't here, you probably need to go, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because I already told you. And uh, verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's a lot more in these verses than what people know. I mean a ton more. So much so that I plan to go through all the blessings on day one. And this is like the third week of the blessings. I've only been through two, two verses. We're going to go through two more today. They are packed. They look simple, but they are packed with the things of God. They are packed. You're going to see some of that today. Notice this. God's heart is to always comfort. No matter if you find yourself in a good place or a bad place, he's saying, turn to me and my character. And if you mourn, you'll be comforted. You'll be comforted. Right? That's his heart. One of the things that I said last week is, it's not God for us to stay in our mourning. It's not the Lord to stay there. The heart of God is, if we find ourselves mourning, turn to him so that we can be comforted. That's the heart of God. He never wants to leave us in that place. One of the things I said is one of, one of the things that I've seen society do is they've been mourning over something. And a lot of times it's dealing with people. And what they do is they feel like if they let go of their grief and let go of their mourning, they're dishonoring the person that they lost. But here's the thing. You may, be dis, you may think you're dishonoring the person, but I, I promise you that person... No matter where they're at, they right now, more than anything, want you to get out of that morning because that's not where God is. God will help you come out of it, but that's not where he is. And they would want you to be with him because God is a God who brings comfort. That's his character. That's his nature. Amen? Amen. I really believe a lot of people can receive some healing if they'll, if they'll see that and apply that. Because the Lord wants to take you out of mourning. Amen. Bring you to the comfort. So let's look at uh, verse 5 and 6. This is all about hunger and humility. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the gentle... Blessed are the gentle. Now you need to know that that word there, gentle, uh, could just as easily be translated humble. 
humble. He says, for they shall inherit the earth. That word earth right there means land. It means it's a physical thing, the land, you know, not just like a, 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 an example of the earth. It means actual land. It means actual physical possessions. It, it means that they will bring the rule of God in this place, not just talk about it, right? And he says, blessed are the gentle, or blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth or inherit the land. Now, one of the things, when you talk about hunger and humility, I wanted to share this with you because this has been so very important to me in the last couple of years. A couple of years ago, uh, round about this time, about two years ago, the Lord started dealing with me to go on an extended fast. And, and when I say extended fast, uh, it means multiple weeks, you know, more than a few, right? And uh, so I went on an extended fast. And uh, ended up, got to the end of the first extended fast that I did. I did several. And understand my point is not to tell you about me fasting. My point is to show you uh, the curve. Have you ever been in a class where they graded on a curve? Like they took the top score, made it 100, and you kind of were rated according to everybody else? Well, we have a curve of thinking in our society. It's like, as long as I'm doing better than other people, I'm okay. But we're never supposed to rate ourselves compared to other people. It's always supposed to be uh, compared to Jesus. Amen. He's our curve, right? And, and he's our curve. And so one of the things was, you know, extended fast. You know, I'm going on this extended fast. How many people you know have, have fasted longer than three weeks, you know? Anybody know? I mean, some of y'all know here because, and some of y'all have done it, but in the basic society, that's unheard of. Matter of fact, when I started talking about fasting, the Lord started having me talk about it, I was shocked at the number of people in the body of Christ who had never fasted. Because it started coming out, the more I'd talk about it, I'd had people that were hungry for it say, I've never fasted. And then I heard that about 10 times. I was like, Wow, no wonder the Lord's having me talk about that. And uh, anyway, so I'm in an extended fast. Well, you know, not only am I physically hungry, but I was obviously doing that because spiritually I was hungry, you know. Lord, I need you. I need you to be real in my life. I want you to be real in the lives of the people at Boomerang. I need you. So I go on this extended fast, and it goes on for, for a while. I get done with it. And basically, this is what the Lord speaks to me as I come out of that fast. You're not hungry enough. I'm like, Lord, what I just did, I don't even know another person in my life that's done it. And you're telling me I'm not hungry enough? I mean, my brain's like, that does not compute, you know. Hold up. You're telling me I'm not hungry enough? And, and I knew that he was right, but I had to, like, be able to comprehend it, you know. I just did something. I have not, I don't know anybody that's done it. And you're telling me I'm not hungry enough. Now, the reason I tell you is because God's curve and where our curve's been, they, they're different. They're different. And our job is not to pull God down to our curve our job is to step up to his curve, right? I just mess with the camera people. They're like, whoa, he just went up three feet. And our job is to move up to where he's at. 
Not pull him down to where we're at. He said, you're not hungry enough. I had to wrap my mind around that. Okay, Lord, I, I believe you. But wow, you know, because I just did something that it took a lot of hunger out of me to do it, you know. But that was part of the reason why I was fasting was I wanted to be more hungry for him. And so here it is. And, and then I go into another extended fast. A few months later, and I just, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. And, and then I went into another one a few months later. And then the Lord started talking to me about something. I would say pretty much every single day for almost a year, it's like I'd wake up and the Holy Ghost would be talking to me. And he'd say something to me real simple. Hunger and humility. 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 I mean, it was logically, I was tired of hearing it. But my spirit was eating it up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Now, look, I, just me talking about this right now, you may be going, man, I am so not there. And that's okay. You don't have to be where I'm at right now. You don't have to. What you have to do simply is turn in the direction of Christ and let him strengthen you every step of the way. You might not be there. I get that. I was not here. You know, matter of fact, when he started talking to me about the things that I'm telling you about, I was like, I don't want to do that. Jesus, I don't want to do that. Do you know... And, of course, yes, he does. But it kind of went something like this. Would you rather stay where you're at or would you rather grow? Which one are you more hungry for? Okay. All right. But I want you to see that I had really, according to the world and according to the curve of other people, I had applied myself over and above the average. And the response I got back from God was, come higher. Be more hungry. Be more humble. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. And what I got out of that is apparently that is really, really important to the Lord. Really important. Really important. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. These things are important to the Father. And here's the thing if, if, if He really is our Lord and our Savior and it's important to Him, who should it be important to? Us. Us. Now, what is humility? What does humility look like? Who is humble? Would you agree that Jesus is the most humble person that's ever walked this earth? Yes. Yeah. Do you know that humility, look at the humility of Jesus. He's sitting there, you remember the prophecy that said he was like a sheep, uh, dumb, which meant he didn't speak. He was silent. In front of his tormentors, right? In other words, while they were beating him, he's the king. Could he have not come off that cross? He said that he could. Surely. 
right? And yet, in humility, he sat there and took it. In humility to the Father, he went to the cross. In humility, when he could have put everybody in that palace to shame. Remember in the garden, look, (laughs) you remember, he comes up and he says, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am he. And everybody fell out. Pastor Trace said this last week, you, you realize that the humility of Jesus sat there and waited for them to get up off the ground and collect themselves so he could give himself to them. Like, you see the humility there. He was humble. That's good. He was the most humble. He was humble enough to give up his seat in heaven, become like a, a man... And give up his life for all. He humbled himself in that way. But we have this idea that that humility a lot of times is us sitting in the corner being quiet. But he was humility. He was humble his whole life. He was the, the picture of humility not just on the cross and not just in front of Pilate. He was humble his whole life without sin He was also humble, you understand, when he was sitting over there looking at the temple and the money changers fashioning a whip that he was going to use in just a few minutes, turning stuff over. This was humility too. Can you see that? So a lot of times we think that humility is just somebody who's quiet, not realizing that humility is also boldness and confidence. And so a lot of times the devil has deceived much of the church out of the power of God because they believe that humility is only the quiet person. He was also the one who's, when the disciples, I already talked about, when the disciples leave, he said, you want to go too? Well, see, in our mind, we don't see that as humility. Here's who's humble. Who's humble is whoever submits themselves to the Father. And there's a lot of times where people can look at different things. They say, well, that man's not humble. Oh, he might be being exactly the perfect picture of humble because he's doing what the Father said to do. But again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the difference between the soul and the spirit. And because you have a lot of the, uh, this uh, society that's nowhere close to walking in humility, they don't see it as humility. They just judge it from their own perspective and their circle of knowledge. Humility goes far beyond. There's a lot of Pharisees that saw Jesus as a heretic. He wasn't a heretic at all. He was the manifestation and the complete picture of the Father himself. But when he came in front of them, all these guys who were so humble, they didn't even recognize him. They didn't even see what God was trying to do in their lives. And so humility doesn't always look like what you think it looks like. Think about this. Think about, I wrote down a couple, couple other examples. Think about Peter and Ananias and Sapphira. Peter's standing up there. They bring an offering up. I mean, the man just brought an offering up, but he lied to the Holy Ghost. And Peter says, they're going to carry you out the door dead. 
That was humility. Think about Paul, and there was a, a, a guy named Elamas, E-L-Y-M-A-S, right? And he says, look, you'll be blind. That was humility also. And God backed it up. There's a reality to this gospel. There, it's not just the words. There's something else that goes with it. A power that goes with it and a demonstration. And it doesn't always look like what our logic says. Humility goes beyond that. And so we need to understand that humility is not just the guy sitting in the corner and quiet. It is a strength and a boldness of God too. Because we're not humbling ourselves to man, we're humbling ourselves to the Father. To the Father. And if man is in the right place, they'll see it and be blessed by it. But if they're in the wrong place, they might not smell life on it. They might smell death. And the problem is not that it's not life, it's that their smeller is broken. And that's up to them. Guess what fixes a broken smeller in the spirit? Humility. Because see, if we're not humble, here's the thing. If we're not humble, we think we've arrived. But we don't realize that there's actually a glass ceiling we can't see and we're going to keep bumping our head about it. It's going to be so frustrating this is why Jesus said, come to me and it'll be easy and light. Easy and light is a symptom that this thing's working correctly. Humility, uh, pride would say, I've got it all together. But humility says, I've got a lot to get together. And when we get to the place that we realize I haven't arrived, I don't know everything I think I know. All of a sudden we break that glass ceiling and it gives us room to grow again. There's a whole lot of the body of Christ that's trapped. They keep saying, oh, we got this thing. We understand it. And the world's looking at them right now and laughing like, what are you talking about? You've got more problems than I got. You keep your church, I'll keep my beer. Because the lack of humility in the church and they're coming up against this glass ceiling. You want to look for the people that are moving in. Even when problems come, they're at peace in the middle of the storm. And not only that, but they bring peace to the storm. This is humility. You want to see people with fruit, not just talking about it. So much of the church, they're talking about, they're talking a good game, just like the scribes were. They're talking a good game, but they can't get healed. They're talking a good game, but they're not walking out the things of God. They're not seeing the power of God. They're not, they're not leading anybody to the Lord. They're not praying and seeing people get healed. They're not bringing them to the fullness of Christ. They're not making disciples. They're not leading them uh, to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're talking a good game, but they're bringing no power. They're talking a good game, but there's nothing in it. And the world, the world can see right through that. Humility. I don't have it all together. There, there's a thing uh, that I've been, I've been looking at and, and just yesterday having a conversation, it really came alive. The church, a lot of times, if you can imagine a tree that's designed to produce fruit, a lot of times what we're trying to do is we're trying to produce this one magical fruit that will solve things for the rest of our life. Like in faith. Like faith is like, I had this idea in my head for years, if I could produce the perfect fruit of faith, then everything I pray for from that point forward would, would work. 
And I'm going after faith. I did this for years, you know. Stupid, but I did it, you know. And, and I'm going after, I'm trying to produce this one perfect fruit. And eventually, when I humbled myself to the Lord, it's like the Holy Spirit tapped on my head. Hello, McFly, you know. Hello, hello. He was like, you're never going to come to the place where you produce one perfect fruit. You're designed to bear fruit continuously. It's who you're supposed to be. In other words, I should never be at the place where the fruit's not on me. It's not one perfect fruit. It's that should be the fruit that's in my life that I constantly carry. It's the same way with humility. I don't just come to the one place where it's like, I've received revelation of humility. I'm there. You just proved yourself wrong. You're not there. No, I'm supposed to bear the fruit of humility Constantly, it's a consistent fruit that constantly comes up. It constantly keeps that glass ceiling broken above us so that now we can keep growing and rising in it. Now, look what he says will happen. He says, blessed are the gentle or blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the land. Is there anybody there's some stuff in your life that you'd like to inherit? Anybody? Yeah, I'd like to inherit some. Not just talking about an inheritance of land, but there's some solutions you'd like to inherit. Well, how do we do that according to the Word of God? We get humble. We humble ourselves to the Father. Lord, what do you want me to do? What if I told you right now today, what if I said the Lord spoke to me this morning and said that this whole church is supposed to go on a 21-day fast starting now? No eating, 21 days. All of a sudden, all right, now, what's your flesh doing right now? Mm. Mm -mm. Pastor done missed it. Bless him, Lord. And our heart that responds that way is why he can't tell us to do it and why we wouldn't be empowered to do it. There's a whole side of living out the power of God that we're missing because we haven't humbled ourselves even to that point. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, we're getting better at this. You could hear some people going, all right, good. But I know they were saying, all right, good, thinking, is he serious? I hope this is just an example. I hope it's just an example. But that's a humility. Okay, Lord, that's what you want, then I'll do it. When we get to that place, he can start to give us some missions to overcome some things other people won't overcome because you're humble to receive from him like ways that other people aren't. And this is, this is how it's designed. We've got to stay in that place of humility and bear the consistent fruit. And then we will be able to take things and take the land for the kingdom of God's sake that other people don't because of humility. Look, look at this verse, Psalm 37, 11. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. What? The humble 
will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Anybody besides me need some land, need some abundant prosperity in your life? Who's it go to according to the word? The humble. The humble. Now, am I giving you stuff that's like really my opinion? If it's my opinion, it's because I've made it on the word. What I'm giving you is just scripture here. Right? This is not something I'm making up or just, I have proven this out. It does, it's true. I've walked, I've walked this and I've, I'm, I'm not there. I haven't arrived either, but I've begun to walk this process and I've found that these promises are true. They're true. And so what I'm giving you is, is this, but don't you know, haven't you ever been to the place where you're hearing a word like that and even while you're hearing it, you're going, I don't know if this is true. Right? I don't know if I believe that. I don't even like his attitude. What is that? A lack of humility. Because I'm just giving you the scripture. But what it is, is that lack of humility inside of us that's fighting against the things of God because the flesh always does that. And you've got to watch that. That's what humility does. Wait a minute. I don't care if I like him or not. All he's doing is talking about the word. Let me humble myself to what the word is saying, what the Lord is saying in his word. That's why you're not inheriting the things. Because we've got to get to that place. I've got to. I've got to continue to grow in this and grow in that humility. Why? Because there's things the Lord wants me to possess. There's things that the Lord wants us to possess so that we can do kingdom things with it. But we can't possess it unless we go about it God's way and we humble ourselves in the process. I wrote it down like this. Just if I had to paraphrase it, Brian had to paraphrase it, this is how I would paraphrase it. Blessed are those who humble themselves to the leading of the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost is only going to lead you to do what the Father says. Blessed are those who humble themselves to the leading of the Holy Ghost, for they shall become an heir of the land and of abundant peace and prosperity now in this time. Not just in the sweet by and by. Now in this time, the land speaks to now. So I wrote this as an action point. Be humble and seek the Holy Spirit's leading on everything. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Now we've looked at humility. Let's look at hunger. And know that I'm just barely touching on this stuff. I could could preach another message for two hours on humility... It's not why we're here, and I'm not trying to flip you out right now. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. King James says, They shall be filled. They shall be filled. Now, I want you to see something. The word here for hunger is crave. Crave. And the word for satisfied is gorged. It's gorged. It's not just filled. It's not just to the full. It's the same thing that Nicole was saying earlier. It's 
to the full till it overflows. Uh, the word here for hunger is crave it. Have you ever had something that you crave? Uh, let me give you the beginnings of that, like hot sign. Right? Anybody? There you go. Right? Hot sign, and what does your body do? <laughs> yeah, right? It starts to crave those things. And let me give you a better example of this. <laughs> let me give you a better example. Let's say that you have fasted. Right? Not just one day, but like day three. Right? One day you start to feel it. Generally, most people start to feel it by about noontime. They're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Help me, Lord. And then that afternoon, they're like, oh, I need a nap. Let me just go to sleep and forget how much I'm hungry. But then day two, they're really feeling it. You know, morning's okay, but man, noontime and afternoon, whoo, but day three, wow. Right? And it's like, you know, here's craving. You know, you're an adult, you've been fasting for three days, and then your kid's like, I got pizza, how is it? How, this is so good. And you're like, I'm going to kill that kid. <laughs> Don't he know? I'm fasting. I'm going to kill him. But not only that, but as he goes skipping through the house, you're like, that's a supreme with pepperoni. It's got beef on there. I smell the mushrooms, the onions, and the green peppers. That, that sauce smells amazing. I can just taste the cheese in my mouth now. Glory to God. Is that garlic on the crust? And then your body is going, ah. like you, you're like biting the air. <clears throat> That's the kind of craving. That's what this is talking about. Blessed are those who crave. Who crave for righteousness. Crave. Let me ask you this question. Have we craved for the things of God like that? And, and you realize this is not like just one moment that you're like, once a year I have a craving for the Lord. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about this should be who we are. A consistent hunger that constantly is in my life. Lord, I need you. I crave for you. Oh, if I could just get, just taste one bite of your goodness, Lord. Oh, taste and see that he is good. If I could just crave. This, this is what Christians are supposed to be carrying. Amen. It's amazing how Monday morning when you clock in, the craving for the Lord goes away. It really starts the minute you walk out this door a lot of times. And a lot of times we haven't ever... We, listen, this is, I believe by the Holy Ghost right here. There, there are so many people who have never actually craved for the Lord one time. They've never even experienced it. A craving for the things of God. I remember you know, several guests we have here today, and you know, I understand you're like, it is past 12 o'clock. Um, I, I remember the first time we ever went past 12 o'clock. Why, well, why would we go past 12 o'clock, by the way? Because we're craving the things of God more than we're craving pot roast. Pot roast 
can fill me for a few minutes, but God will fill me for eternity. Amen. We're craving the things. But I can remember when we first started doing that as a church. Whoo! Come 12.05. I was like, ooh, I feel the pressure. <laughs> I feel the pressure. Let me wrap this up before I get stoned and left for dead outside the church. Like, what happened to that pastor? Uh, they found him outside the church on the back. He went to 12.06 one day. I could feel it. <laughs> I could feel it. You know, it's not that hard. I didn't need the gift of discernment when it was like this. Didn't take the gift of discernment. People weren't that rude, but there were some who wanted to be. Amen. <laughs> it's amazing what a few minutes past 12 can do to a person when they're looking for a church home. Oh, I don't want to go back there. Well, why don't you want to go back there? It's not you, it's not the real man, it's not the spirit man, it's your flesh man that doesn't want to go back there. Why? Because we're not craving. We're not so hungry for God that we forget about everything else. We're going to have a healing service for toes right after the service, glory to God. I know I'm stepping on them. I'm doing it on purpose. Glory. Can I get a hallelujah? Yeah. Amen. Why? Because that's what God does. He takes you to the place where he's at. He doesn't just leave you sitting there. Thank you, Jesus. If he sees something bad coming, he sounds the alarm. He doesn't just be quiet. How would you like it if there was somebody posted over your life to watch out for things in your life, and when they saw the death and destruction coming, they just got quiet and ran the other way? Let me tell you, you don't want a pastor who will get up here and tickle your ears. You want somebody who will draw you into the things of God. And guess what? A lot of times that pastor, and many, you know, some of them know what they're doing and they're willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. That means to your flesh, I become your enemy's flesh. I'm willing to be that so that I can be a friend of the Spirit. And I can humble myself to the Lord. And when the Lord says, hey, why didn't you tell them and why didn't you draw them up to the place of craving after me so that they could experience the things of God, so that they could be filled? Why didn't you do that, Pastor? I'm going to be able to say, I did it, Lord. Now you, I'll give you a package, but you've got to decide if you'll receive it. All right, so... Amen. Glory to God. Moving on. And uh, so he says this. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and crave and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. Gorged. Have you ever eaten so much you wish you could throw up? Wow. That was not the response I was expecting. But uh, you're with me. Amen. Man. Well, you know all the bad stuff that's affiliated with that? This is all of that minus the bad. God will fill you with that stuff. He'll fill you with it. God, do you know that God desires to fill you up so much 
that you are full to overflowing. You are gorged on his goodness. Amen. He wants to gorge you on his goodness. Why? Because his goodness is not just meant for you. It's meant to overflow into the people around you as well. He wants to fill you and overflow you. That's who he is. He's like, I love you so much. Let me just pour into you. And, and like, Lord, Lord, I'm full, I'm full. He's like, I know. And he just keeps on. He just keeps on. That's how much he loves. I know, I know. Peter, give me a bigger bucket. I know. And you're just like, I can't take anymore. He's like, I know. My nets are breaking. I know. That's some more. That's who he is. He wants to fill you. On his goodness. That's his character. That's his nature. You realize his character demands that he be like that? His character demands that he feel and overflow you. Make it available. But can you see in this verse that that's available, but not everybody receives it based on how they hunger for him? And what does it tell us to hunger for? It tells us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, this is very important because I don't, I, it, w- it was just the last few years that I really got a better handle on this. His righteousness, a lot of times what we think about is like, if I will hunger to do the right things. That is not what that's talking about. That can be a result of what we're talking about, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about this. Under, understand that the righteousness that we're talking about is not your righteousness without Jesus. Your actions, doing this, do this, don't do that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what happens when we put faith on Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. We're saved, but we also receive a gift of something. What's that gift? Righteousness. In other words, over in 2 Corinthians, it says it like this, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says in verse 17, you have become a new creation. In verse 21, it says that you have now been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Whoa, wait, what? You have now been made righteous like God through Jesus? That's exactly what that verse says. And let, me, let me show you what, what that looks like. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kendall and Chris, will you come here real quick? Let me show you what that looks like. Some of you have seen this, some of you haven't, but, but come here real quick. <laughs> All right, see how they're about the same height here? That was a good choice. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, now, let's say this. Let's say that Chris, because I've always picked on him, he's going to be righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ today. Let's say that Kendall's not. He's corrupted man. So I want you to just kind of lower yourself a little bit. Let's go a little bit more. Amen. Maybe there we go. That's, all right. Good, good, good. All right. So now this is the righteousness of God in Christ. This is God's righteousness. Have we come up to that level in our own walk? Not even close. Not even close. 
But here's what it says. All that stuff that you've messed up, I see who you are and who you've been. But right now, here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, come on, I'm going to take you and make you a new creation. I'm going to help you up and lift you up. And I'm going to bring you up to the same level of righteousness as God. We're not talking about, in other words, he took our mess. He took our shortcomings. And he said, I'm going to make you like the most high. Does that mean you still get everything right? No, it means that your righteousness now matches God. And in that righteousness, I can choose to be like Him. I can choose to make the right. I can be empowered to live that way. So when we're craving righteousness, one of the things that we're doing is we are craving to live out what God has already given us as a gift. I'm not coming from the position of a beat up man. I am a new creation in him. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and I'm going to live like it. And when I crave to live like it, I'll find that my steps will be lighter because I'll have supernatural help. Where I was carrying it all on my own shoulders, all of a sudden I got help. I can't see it, but it's the help of the Holy Ghost to live the righteousness of God in Christ. But he didn't just, you know, he didn't just take us a little bit. Here, just a little bit right there. He didn't just take us almost. No, no, no. He raised us all the way up. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, guys. So it says, but those who hunger and thirst for righteousness... In other words, they hunger and thirst for what God has done for them. But not only that, look at this verse, Hebrews 1.8. He says, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of the kingdom. In other words, this is the thing that represents the rule and the authority in the kingdom of God. This represents the power. What is that scepter? Righteousness. So when we start to seek and crave for righteousness, you've got to understand that we're not just seeking and crave to do things right. Right? We are seeking and craving for the power of God to be released through us because righteousness is the scepter. It's the power. In other words, when I come into a situation or you come into a situation, it says those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm here on the scene with the scepter of God to set the rule of heaven up in the earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I seek and I crave righteousness, I'm also seeking that the rule of God may be established in the earth. I'm seeking, Lord, I should be walking in more than I have been walking in. I should be walking more like you than I have been walking. And I'm not just hungry for it, I'm craving it. And when I move to that place, then all of a sudden it makes me also crave that I don't mess up. That I don't, that I don't sin. I don't move to ungodliness, I move to godliness. I don't make excuses for, for ungodliness. I put excuses down because I'm craving righteousness. All of a sudden you crave righteousness. You start walking in the gift that you have. And not only that, but you start carrying a scepter. You start carrying a rule. And then when you pray for people, things happen. When you pray in your own life or your finances, things happen. When you pray, when you pray Lord, help me, help me lead somebody to the Lord today. He'll put you right in front of somebody. 
Lord, I want to lead somebody. I want to lead them to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All of a sudden, he'll put you right in front of somebody who's saying, I've been praying to God that he would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I was praying for you this morning. God has put us together. Lord, in the name of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, they just feel, they start praying in the Holy Ghost. They've, they've received a boldness and a confidence and a strength that they never had before to walk like the Christian they're supposed to be. And it all comes from seeking and craving after his righteousness. Look at this verse. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the Son of Men. For He has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul He has filled with what is good. That word thirsty right there, we're talking about hunger and thirst. And we're talking about humility that humbles ourselves to get there. He says he satisfied the thirsty soul. Thirsty right there means this, to seek greedily. And then it gives this example, like a predator after a prey. Can you, I want you to picture something. I want you to think, plains of Africa, the lion and the gazelle. The lion, greedily. Licking his chops to go after. This is what it says. The thirsty soul, the one who greedily seeks after the things of God, will be filled. Will be overflowing. The one who craves the things of God. God says, I'll meet you. I'll meet you. Now I wrote this. This is a little bit long. This is If I could write this verse and kind of tell you everything that it actually means according to all the words, kind of you know, my own little amplified, this is what I'd write about verse 6. Blessed. Don't miss that. God's calling you blessed and he's declaring it. Blessed are you. Blessed are those who hunger, crave, thirst, and greedily seek. After the righteousness of God through Christ. As their hunger for and their growth in his righteousness leads them to change their own actions to that righteousness. They will begin to experience the power and authority it wields. My righteousness used, this is Jesus talking, my righteousness used and applied properly will fill and overflow their whole life with good things. Hear that. My righteousness applied properly will fill and overflow their life with good things. He wants to overflow your life with good things. That's Jesus' heart for you. He wants to fill and overflow your life with good things. He loves you. It will be so much that it will overflow and overwhelm them and they will have plenty to share with others. Amen? Amen. They will have plenty to share with others. The action point is this, crave. Don't, don't just, you know, oh yeah, I'm hungry. I'm not talking about habit hunger. I'm talking about a craving. Crave and seek Jesus, his righteousness and his ways. And don't stop. Crave and don't stop. 
Crave and don't stop. Crave and don't stop. And when we humble ourselves and we hunger after the things of God, we'll start to find that God will meet us right there at that place. You will inherit the land that he has for you. He will fill and overflow you and you'll start to walk in. God wants great things for you. He wants to overflow you. Is there anybody in here that wants to be overflowed? They want the goodness of God to overflow them. Now I'm going to offer this right now. Just Let's just bow our head for a second. If we're going to crave his ways and we're going to humble ourselves to him, then the first thing we have to do is we have to humble ourselves to his ways. We have to humble ourselves to his ways. The very first step into everything that he has for us is this, is that our relationship with him is correct. Our relationship's right. Jesus is Lord, not just in lip service, but in action. In other words, if he told me, go and fast, I'd do it. If he told me to give something, I'd give it. If he told me to sit here for 10 hours, I'd do it. He's Lord. He's the director of my life. He calls the shots and I follow. Now today, if you're in that place, you're like, you know what, I, I've accepted him before, but today marks something. There's something happening in my heart right now, and I need to make him Lord for real. I need to know that from this day forward, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring it today, today changes things. Jesus is the Lord of my life. If that's you today, will you just raise your hand and hold it up so I can see it? I need to pray that way today. I need him to truly be the director of my life. Just raise your hand so I can see it. Amen. And you may be sitting there, amen. You may be sitting there and you may be saying, you know what? I've missed it. I fell off the, I fell off the cart. And today is my day to turn that thing back around. And I need to do it today. Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart to do that. If that's you, raise your hand. Just hold them up for a moment so I can see everybody. Because in the end, I'm going to pray for everybody that does. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I need to get back on track today. If that's you, raise your hand. Amen. I see those. You may, you may say, I was doing good, but, I, but something came along and it just wrecked my life. And I need you, Lord. I need my relationship to be right. Or you may say, I've never known Jesus, but I want the things that you were talking about today. And I can feel the Holy Spirit calling me right now. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. But also, I want to serve Him because I want to be a part of His kingdom. And you might not have ever accepted Him, but today, the Holy Spirit, He's drawing. He's putting something on your heart. Today's my day. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Today is my day. I want Jesus to be my Lord. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you. See, all of this that we're talking about today, it really starts for each one of us in our relationship with the Father that comes through Jesus. And so I want to encourage everybody in here to pray this prayer. Just pray it out loud with me. Don't pray it in your head. Pray it with your mouth and just confess Him like the Word says. Just say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You're the director. You call the shots. And I'm obedient. And I believe that all my mess, you took it on you. On that cross and to the grave. Now I want Paul's here. I want you to realize that when he took it to the grave and he buried it, it's no longer yours to carry anymore. Father, right now I just ask that freedom will come as they just handed over their mess, rolled the care of all their sin onto Jesus who carried it in all humility. Lord, let the weight of all the mess and all the sin start to lift right now. Let, let peace come in. Glory to God. Peace and grace be multiplied now. Healing happen now. Right now, I, I know it. I, I don't think I've ever done this in the middle of a salvation prayer, but I can sense the grace of God being poured out in lives right now. Healing be now in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, your word says when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we pray out the mysteries. There's stuff I definitely don't know that needs to happen in every life, but you know. And so by the Holy Ghost, we pray out every one of those. Solutions come in Jesus' name. As we drop the weight of condemnation, we rolled the care of it over onto Jesus he took our mess, all the problems, and buried it in the grave. Now, if you're receiving right now, here, I just want you right now, you just, if you need to, raise your hands to heaven and just, just like you're a funnel, receiving the grace of God right now in your life. Lord, give me all the grace. Like The higher I raise, the more grace I receive. Lord, give me the grace I need in my life. Give me the grace I need. I need it, Lord. I need you. I need your touch. I need your, I need your power. I need your healing. I need your provision. I need restoration. I need deliverance. I need protection. Lord, I receive every bit of your grace right now. Lord, we receive it. Now continue praying with me. Pray out loud. Father, I believe that you brought Jesus back to life. And you raised him up from the grid, from the grave. You physically brought him back to life. And then you raised him up to heaven and seated him in heavenly places. And according to your word, 
When I'm born again, I'm seated with him. I'm not an old broken sinner. Beat up with no hope in this earth. I'm a new creation in Christ. The righteousness of God in Christ. Seated with him in heavenly places. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire to live for you. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Father, meet every need. Lord, fill now. Fill them with your Holy Ghost. Yeah, touch. I just, I sense so clearly new life touching in the hearts and minds of people. New life, touch them now. If you're feeling God touch you right now, right in your seat, just every, every head still bowed. You're feeling God touch you right now. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I feel the Lord moving in my life. Glory to God. He's healing. He's doing some stuff. We don't have to have words to describe it. We might not even know the words. But God knows what you need. And he loves you and he cares for you. And he wants to pour it out. Now keep on with your every hand put down and every head and eyes still closed. Put your hands down for a second. If when you prayed that today, you needed to pray that prayer and you needed that touch from God, no matter what your condition was, I needed to pray that. Will you raise your hand right now? And just keep it up for a second. I needed to pray that prayer today. I needed fresh touch from the Lord. I needed that. Keep them up. Anybody else? I needed to pray that. I needed that. Glory to God. Anybody else? Hands all over the place. Glory to God. Now you can put them down. Father, I just pray right now. For every person that raised their hand, Lord, strengthen them with all your might. Strengthen them with all your might so that they may walk according to your way. Father, I ask just like Paul uh, prayed in Ephesians 1, I pray that their eyes of their understanding, the eyes of their heart would be opened, that they would see clearly what is your will and what isn't your will. And then, Lord, let them be strengthened with all your might to walk that thing out, to make good decisions according to you and to your heart and to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.